the lights and the decorations. Maybe you've been doing some decorating at home for the seasons, tra transitioning from the Thanksgiving season, the fall, to preparing for winter, which includes fun things like Christmas that we have the opportunity to look forward to. Well, today's message comes from James chapter 5, and it's the last scheduled Sunday in, in this sermon series that we've been going through as we've been progressing all the way through the book of James. But this message applies to all seasons, every day of the year and throughout the seasons of our life. The topic today is prayer. The sermon is titled The Prayer of Faith. And if you have your Bibles with you or nearby, I would encourage you to turn to James chapter 5. And the verses we'll be focusing on primarily are verses 13 through 20. Now, prayer is not just a church tradition or, or something that we do before we go to sleep at night. You know, now I lay me down to sleep and all that. But when we think about prayer, we would, we would do well to start by looking at the example of Jesus himself. That seems like a, like a good thing to do. And when we do that, we see that prayer is, is serious business. Jesus prayed often. And it's recorded in Scripture on many occasions that Jesus would go off by himself and pray. He would, he would take time and pray, pray peaceful in a quiet place. And when he was faced with coming hardship, for example, he prayed. He prayed in all circumstances. One of the times that he prayed in, is recorded in Matthew chapter 26. And... In this particular passage, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he went multiple times to pray. He's there with his disciples on the, at this time. And he implored his disciples to stay awake and keep watch and pray. But they repeatedly fell asleep. They, they failed at that task. Jesus prayed fervently. He prayed with great intensity. And Matthew 26, verse 38 specifically says that in regards to Jesus, his very soul sorrowful because he knew it was coming he was preparing for a time of terrible suffering leading up to his death on the cross now if Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior if he needed the power of prayer to strengthen him so that he could submit to God's will and go to the cross and fulfill that promise might not we also need prayer there's power in prayer and prayer should be a, a prominent part of each of our lives. So would you bow with me as we pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that even though we aren't all together here in the sanctuary worshiping, that you have provided ways for us to connect and to communicate and to join together in a time of prayer and, and of worship of you. Heavenly Father, we are, we are so very blessed to be able to come into your presence. We love you. Amen. As we look at today's text from James chapter 5, we see first in verses 13 through 18 is that prayer belongs in every part of our lives, quite simply, because there is power in prayer, and God works through our prayers. 
Now, before we go any further, it may be helpful to, to just pause for a moment and, and define what we're talking about when, we're, when we say prayer. Well, one definition of prayer is that it's a, a solemn request for help or an expression of thanks addressed to God or an object of worship. Another uh, definition is prayer is spiritual communication between man and God, a two-way relationship in which man should not only talk to God, but listen to him. Think about that for a moment. Well-known pastor and author Tim Keller says this of prayer. Prayer is about both awe and intimacy. It's both a conversation and an encounter with God. The common theme that runs through these definitions is that prayer involves communication between God and you. Prayer includes encountering God and having a conversation with God. And a good productive conversation includes both talking and listening, not, not just one person dominating the conversation. You know, perhaps you've experienced some of those one-sided conversations. They, they tend to turn into more speeches than actual conversations. When you pray, you are talking with God. You are, you are communicating with God, and at the same time, he's communicating with you. God communicates with us through prayer, and that in and of itself is enough reason for us to pray and to want to pray, to want to communicate with God and, and have that active relationship with God. Prayer is mentioned throughout the Bible. We can find examples of prayer all over the place in God's word, and it's there because it's important. In James 5, verses 13 and 14, he, he tells us to pray, and he offers some examples. He says, pray if you are suffering, sing praise if you are cheerful. In cross-reference, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18, also some very well-known verses, we read this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Quite literally, then, it is God's will for you to pray. We always pray as we should then, right? Because we want to be in God's will. We never, we never put off praying, saying, oh, I'll, I'll just pray later. This isn't a good time. No, in, in truth, there's, there's all too often a, a struggle, a struggle with our, our sinful human nature that, that doesn't want us to do what we should. And at the same time, we know what we should do. And we need God's help to do it. We need God to constantly be working in our hearts and lives. James makes it clear that all times, all times are appropriate times to pray. And in verse 13 specifically, he presents prayer as being the proper course of action when you're suffering or afflicted or in some kind of distress or trouble. And in that situation, the response should be to cast this pain or burden on God through prayer. Psalm 57 verse 1 provides a great example, a beautiful word picture. It says, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I believe that uh, we all face storms in our lives, don't we? In fact, there might be some that would think of the year 2020 as one great big storm. And we are encouraged to seek shelter 
in God the Father. Keep in mind that James also talks about singing praise when you are cheerful. So that's kind of at the opposite end of the spectrum. Now, what's interesting is the original language that's used in this part of the verse speaks of, it conveys the idea of playing an instrument or singing with both your voice and your heart. Now, maybe you know someone that kind of fits this description. It's like they just have this, this song of joy that's inside them and they can't help but sing all the time. Almost to the point where there are times they don't want to be around them because they're always just overly happy. They can't help it. It's just inside them and it, and it comes out. But just as someone who is suffering turns to God, the cheerful Christian also turns to God and offers praises for the joyous times, the happy times, we might say the good times. And looking ahead now, uh, in James 5, verses 14 and 15, we read about praying for those who are sick, specifically. Now, that certainly is one of the more common types of prayer requests that, that we tend to respond to in prayer, isn't it? If you are sick, you want to be well. You want to be healed. No one enjoys being sick. In these verses, James tells us that if someone is sick, that they should call the elders and have the elders come and pray over them and anoint them with oil, all in the name of the Lord. It's the Lord that's doing the healing work here in this example, and James is pointing us to that fact. It's not the elders' miraculous healing powers for which they are being called on. Praying was the main act. The primary task the elders were and still are to do when they are called on. But we see also in this example that the physical care of the sick person was not to be ignored either. And that's an important piece of this. See, in the ancient world, oil was used to treat a person for a variety of things. They didn't have a lot of medicines to choose from, so they used what they had. So it's logical to expect this very practical directive from James to these elders. No, they were not trying to fulfill the role of a physician. They weren't trying to be a doctor and solve everybody's physical problems. But they were caring in every way that they could. They were caring for the person who was suffering, who was sick, and in faith had called the elders to come and pray with them. So in this text so far, we've seen that prayer is for all circumstances. All circumstances. The good times, the bad times, when you're suffering, when you're sick, when you're cheerful, when you're full of joy. All times, in all things. Pray to the Lord your God and pray in the name of the Lord. Now let's change our focus a bit and look at this aspect of prayer that we commonly refer to, or maybe you've heard of this as the power of prayer or the strength of prayer. Now what gives its prayer its strength and, and makes it effective and powerful is, is really faith and belief in God. God hears and answers our prayers. But according to Matthew 21, 22, faith is essential in prayer. Now, this, the verse reads as follows, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. If we look back to an earlier passage in James, in James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, James speaks of approaching God and asking him in faith with no doubting. And James goes on to say that if you doubt, you will not receive anything from the Lord. Here, in the text we're focusing on today, in verse 15 of James 5, he says, 
and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. These are difficult verses. James says that faith is essential in prayer, and we also read that if you doubt, you will not receive anything from the Lord when you pray. So, does that mean if, uh, if we pray for someone to be healed and it doesn't happen that, that we don't have faith? And that we're somehow lacking? Church, we have to be very careful here as we consider this topic. But there are indeed times when we struggle with faith. And one of the causes for that is a lack of belief in God and, and not living in close relationship with him. Now think about this for a moment. Who in your life do you trust the most? Of all the people that you currently know or maybe have known in your life, who do you really, truly trust? Most likely, you just thought of someone that you know very well. Maybe a family member, a parent, or a close friend. See, we tend not to trust strangers or even have faith or belief in what they say, what they're telling us. So there are some parallels that can be drawn when we consider our relationship with our Heavenly Father. In the same relationship as when someone we trust. Now, you may also lack faith because you make yourself, uh, you have to make yourself believe in something that doesn't seem real. Because you can't see it or touch it. You see, physical things are really easy to believe in because we engage our senses. We can touch something. We can see something. We can hear it, feel it, whatever. It's a lot easier to believe and have faith in something that you can see. Faith can be lacking when you rely on yourself and in your own abilities instead of relying on God, the one who is actually in control of everything. In the example that James gives of someone who is sick calling on the elders for prayer, faith in God is being exhibited by the sick person. Now think about this. What is he doing? The person who is sick that calls for the elder, he is asking in faith, and he is believing that God hears and answers prayers, and also that God has the ability to heal that person, to heal him person making the request. And conversely, the elders are also exhibiting faith by responding. They're responding to the request and coming and visiting the sick person to care for them and pray for them. And keep in mind that in that period of history, there were no hospitals for those who were sick. So those who were seriously ill were commonly put into some type of quarantine situation. Sound familiar? They didn't necessarily know what was causing the ailment of the person or how contagious it might be. It was into this type of situation then that James is calling the elders to faithfully enter into and minister to the sick, all in the name of the Lord. And now in verses 15 and 16, we see another aspect of prayer. See that confession Confession is an incredibly important part of prayer. Kira mentioned this earlier in her uh, children's sermon, just as one part of it. See, confession of our sins to one another, such as a trusted brother or sister in Christ, is, is not necessarily a tradition that we, 
that we usually strongly promote in the Lutheran Church. We focus, tend to focus on other doctrines more often. We do include a corporate confession of sin quite often during our morning services, uh, a corporate confession that we uh, do as a congregation, which is then followed by an absolution, usually offered by the pastor. It could be offered by a worship leader. However, this personal confession that James is referring to points to a person who is a follower of Christ choosing someone that they can trust in, that they can have confidence in and share their confession with. And in so doing, receiving both the relief of unburdening themselves, getting rid of that weight, and also hearing and receiving absolution in the name of the Lord, which provides peace, provides peace for the soul. And who doesn't want that? That's a beautiful thing. Now, if you have unconfessed sins in your heart and in your soul, it can just eat away at you on the inside. It can be a tremendous weight, a burden that drags you down. And it can prevent you from experiencing true peace. Unconfessed sin can cause a barrier, or literally an obstacle to be erected between you and God that interferes with your close personal relationship with God. And it can also sap the power out of your prayers and weaken your faith. If you hold a grudge against someone, it kind of has the same effect in a way. Think about this. If you've ever held a grudge against someone, or maybe know someone who has, many of us have seen that in our lifetimes. Holding a grudge against someone will often turn into resentment. And that can lead to bitterness and an and estranged, broken relationship if it is not addressed. See, holding on to unconfessed sin has a very similar effect in our lives. It can damage our relationship with God. It can be a barrier between us and God. Keeping our focus now on James 5, verses 16, the second half of this verse says, The power of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Ooh, that sounds good. I want some great power. Does that mean that I, when I'm praying, I turn into a superhero or something? I mean, what do we do with this verse? The, righteous, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. It's not, the superhero thing is not what James was referring to, I'm quite sure. But first and foremost, a person cannot receive righteousness on their own. See, it's not something that we can earn. There, there are no works that we can do that can make us acceptable and perfect to God. See, you and I are imperfect, sinful human beings. That's probably not the message you wanted to hear today, but it's the truth nonetheless. No matter what we do, we cannot get rid of that. It's only through the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ that was given for you and for me that, you can, that we can be declared righteous in God's eyes. And that is truly miraculous. What James is referring to here is is one who has truly confessed their sins and has been acquitted of God's judgment or is justified by God. Now, God's heart and hands are literally open to one who is righteous before God through the atoning work of Christ. In the Old Testament, way back in Daniel chapter 9, verse 18, 
is recorded the prayers of Daniel. And one, verse 18 in particular speaks to what we're talking about. It says, For we do not present our pleas before you, God, because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. So the power of prayer, what gives prayer its strength and makes it effective is faith and belief in a holy God, God who is gracious and merciful, good and loving, who imparts his righteousness on all who repent and confess their sins and put their faith and trust in him alone. God works through prayer and there is truly power in prayer. We also need to discuss praying in God's will when we're considering this topic of prayer. It's incredibly important. Now, if you are truly honest with yourself, how many of your prayers are, are self-centered, seeking things for yourself, asking God to do your will for your own personal benefit? You know, God, I ask that you would make me happy today because I deserve to be happy. God, I would like you to deliver a pizza to my door today, free of charge, because I would really like some pizza. Now, all joking aside, in looking at James 5, we see in verse 14 specifically, James's directions to the, to the elders to go and pray for someone who is sick, anointing them with oil, doing it in the name of the Lord. Now, what's happening there is not by their own strength or for their own personal glory, or even by their miraculous healing abilities. But it's being done in the name of the Lord. And that's what gives it its power. And they are not seeking their own personal gain. In verse 15, James speaks of the Lord raising up the one who is sick. Now I point to these particular parts of the text to emphasize that in prayer, we need to be seeking the Lord according to his will, not our own. The focus is on the work that God is doing not what we are doing, or even what we are trying to do, but on the Lord. Next, James provides an example of praying according to God's will by briefly recounting one of the prayers of the prophet Elijah. Now, Elijah prayed many prayers throughout his life. A few of them are recorded for us. Now, and what James says in the first part of verse 17 is that Elijah was like us, like you and me. And James points out that because the people points this out, because the people he was originally writing this text to were the Jews who made a very big deal about the prophet Elijah. And he says, Elijah was a normal human just like us. He had the same limitations that we do. He dealt with the same stuff. James points to an example of a time that Elijah sought God's will, and he prayed. And in this particular Instance, Elijah prayed that there would be no dew or rain in the whole land except to his word, and there was no rain. I'm sure he was quite popular for those years with the fall of the farmers. Now, after three and a half years, Elijah prayed again. Now, I'm sure Elijah prayed many times between that. But after three and a half years, Elijah prayed again, and this time he prayed that there would be rain. And indeed, God chose to answer that prayer by providing rain that nourished the whole land. Everything bloomed, everything grew, everything was nourished. Now we can look at this example and we can say, oh well, that's the great prophet Elijah. I'm sure he had some special connections with God and 
he probably knew what God's will was before he even prayed. And so he probably had some pull in convincing God to do what he wanted. But that's not the case. In fact, if you look all the way back to 1 Kings chapter 19, you can read of another time that Elijah prayed. In this case, he was feeling so low in his life that he asked that he might die. His prayer says this, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. That's Elijah's prayer. Clearly, Elijah suffered some challenge, challenging times during his life. He went through some really tough times. And in this particular instance, he asked that his life would be ended. Now, God did answer his prayer, but not the way that Elijah asked. Not what he, according to what he had requested. Instead, God sent an angel that provided food and water to nourish Elijah. See, God doesn't always answer prayers the way we expect him to. Maybe even not always the way that we like him to. Or when we want him to. But he does answer our prayers. In Ephesians 3.20, we read that God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. He has no limitations, but he does things according to his will and in his time. And there's good reason to be careful also in how we pray and what we pray as we come before God and seek his will. Now, as we previously discussed, at all times we are invited to come to God with our prayers, come to God with our, our praises and, and our petitions even. And we are instructed to humbly make a request known to God. And at the same time, we are assured that he hears and he will answer our prayers. However, we need to be cautious about how we go about this in a little bit here because there's a difference, church, between offering our prayers to God and asking him and believing in faith for the answer to our prayers versus telling God what and how he's going to respond in answer to our prayer. There's a distinct difference. See, it's only a small step to go from seeking God's will fervently with faith and belief and full conviction to us commanding the God of the universe to do our bidding. And that can get us in trouble. Now, let me try to provide you with an example of what I'm saying, just to clarify this. Listen to this prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing me so abundantly. You are great and merciful. Uh, please accept this gift that I am giving you and use it according to your will. Amen. Now contrast that with this. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing me so abundantly. You are great and merciful. I, I give you this gift. And, and in your holy word, you said that you will multiply our gifts and bless us abundantly. And I know that it's your will to bless me, so I look forward with great expectation to seeing an increase in my paycheck so I can provide for my family. You see the difference there? Perhaps that example was helpful for you. Maybe you're still a little bit lost, but the point is, the point is, seeking God's will as you pray and putting him first over and above your own wants and desires is where your focus should be. Because you and I both want to be in God's will, right? Be cautious that you do not take that step and cross the line to where you go from praying with faith and confidence to telling God what to do. 
Pray fervently, pray with faith, come before the Lord with confidence, trust in his power, and leave it all in his mighty hands. Today, church, we have been looking at the topic of prayer. We began by looking at, at how prayer is truly for all circumstances in our lives, both the good times and bad, when we are healthy and when we are sick. Prayer is communicating with God, and through prayer we deepen our relationship with God. There's powerful power in prayer, not because of any special exercises we do, but faith and belief and trust in God gives prayer strength and makes it effective. Confession of our sins and, and getting our heart right with God is also another significant component to strong and effective prayer that should not be ignored. In church, God works through prayer. Finally, we looked at praying in God's will and the importance of seeking Him and seeking His will for us instead of looking to further ourselves for our own personal gain and benefit. We ask God for what we think we need. God gives us what He knows we need. Pray with faith and belief in God. Pray in all circumstances. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. Pray for those who are sick. And pray that God will do his will in your life. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we do thank you for the many blessings that you have blessed us with and continue to shower on us as a church, as a family, as your created human beings. And God, we turn to you. We turn to you in, in all circumstances, both good times and bad. God, we need you. We need you in our hearts and our lives each and every day. We ask that you would come into our lives and touch our hearts today. Amen.